Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right. Hello, everybody. Good morning and welcome back to the program. At this hour, how do you think 2017 has shaped or would shape the forecast for this year, 2018, both in cooperatives and condominium sales in New York City? The panel is here and we will discuss all the details. Also at this hour, new developments make for solid investment opportunities. They're highly sought after by foreign investors looking to park their cash in New York City real estate. And also they have a liquid resale uh, market value. Whether you're a foreign national seeking an investment or looking to live in your dream apartment, new development condos will always have their buyers and sellers. But first, I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and all around the world. I am Vince Rocco and you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate. Uh, as I said, my panel is here today. We're going to talk to Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Elliman, Phil Horrigan from LeaseBreak.com, Anna Shagaloff from Halstead Real Estate, and Sean McPeak from Compass. So I say, if a neighbor can see you naked, do you have to cover <laughs> up? New York State decently laws do apply to some behavior inside a private residence. You could cross a line if you were to, say, intentionally flash your neighbors for an extended period of time, but... When it comes to walking in the buff in your own home, you're not breaking New York law, even if your neighbor spots you. Nudity is, for better or worse, something that pretty much has to be tolerated when you live in a city like New York, as densely populated as New York. This according to a real estate attorney. Who among us hasn't walked in the kitchen naked to turn on the kettle or the coffee pot or stepped out of the shower to find the curtains open? And frankly, why should we feel obligated to stop? So my question is, we're all New Yorkers. We've seen it all, especially real estate agents. We've walked into it all. <laughs> <clears throat> what are your thoughts? I mean, you know, it's a funny topic, but you know, someone recently asked about this, so I, I said, "Let me look into it." I got, I got one. I, when I lived in the East Village on Fifth Street, I used to have somebody across my courtyard who would do photo shoots in their apartment, and it wasn't for personal reasons. So there'd be a very large flash that would light up the entire courtyard, and it was all nude photo shoots, uh, sometimes with more than one person. So I don't know if that would fall under that. And then when you would go to Sean's apartment, you would wonder why there's a folded chair in front of the window. (laughs) 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 It's actually a stationary bike. Well, it's funny because when you sell new development condos or you're showing new development condos and you have these big floor-to-ceiling windows, I have a, a penthouse on the market currently with the bathroom that looks like you're literally in a glass cube. So, I mean, there's three walls of glass. It's all open, completely open. And so everybody walks in and says... Well, there's no privacy here. And then some people say, well, who cares? I mean, if anybody's looking at me, they're not going to identify me on the street when I walk out the door, right? It is New York City. Well, that's not necessarily true. But it's not necessarily <laughs> true because if you're a constant shower of you know yeah. what you got going on there, I mean, yeah, people, people are going to start you out. to pay attention and yes. they're going to pick you out. Exactly and then right. and then Vince told the developer, I will be your test dummy. I can try it out for you if you really want. <laughs> I actually did do that. I stood in the tub with all my clothes on. I stood I, in the tub you know, and they looked from downstairs. They couldn't really see much, but, you know, when I was waving my arms, I would be able to see. I will you know, say something. that I I used to live in an apartment on the Upper West that was so high, and no one would be able to look into me. Like it, their buildings were so far. So moving to an apartment on the third floor, I got very nervous about <laughs> people looking into my apartment because I there's nothing more that I love to do than dance to Spotify with just my boxers, <laughs> and it's it's like how I unload from the day. Well, <laughs> you, know, you know what I, I just mean, recently realized you know. at night. 
sun filter shades <laughs> don't, work. don't work. And and I live and in a building where like I have neighbors on both sides that can actually see in. Like I have clearance directly in front of me, but the neighbors could see in. And um, I mean, at night when I'm getting ready for bed, I t- kind of take my time with stuff. <laughs> and then I realized, and then I, I I realized through another one of my windows that I could see my husband through the light filter. And I'm like, oh my god! I've been doing this for years. (laughs) My neighbors know me way too well. I think the point point of the story is none of us really pay attention to it, and I don't think any of us do these things intentionally. But when you live in your home, I have, I clear all the buildings around me, so I don't have anybody that can see directly into my apartment. And I've always kind of walked around, especially in the morning. You get up between the dog and the coffee pot and whatever. By the time you realize, oh, I think I should put some clothes on. Right. It's time to get in the shower. I mean, right? I have no. I mean, I have no shades in my living room, and I still <laughs> on the third walk floor. around a lot. I mean, you're still in your twenties, though. So hey, that's what they get. That's what they get. You guys actually, gravity is not good to some people. Counts your blessings, okay? Anyway, moving on. How did you think? Oh, really quickly, Vince. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm on the line. It's Tracy, so it's hard to know, read the room. But really quick, I just want to say there is a serious side to this. Um, remember the photographer that was taking unauthorized pictures of people from the street looking into uh-huh. their windows? My friend had a picture of him and his daughter taken. It was a huge uh, hoopla, I think, one or two years ago. So someone oh, wow. is watching, even if you don't think that that is something to keep in mind. Oh, that's invasive. Well, like That's I said, it, yeah. it can it can get you know yeah, yeah. a little carried away, but you know, in 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 fun. I mean, you know, you're in your own home. Just be respectful of your neighbors when you find the time to think about what you're doing. You know, you just get up in the morning, you do your thing, and you know, whatever. Anyway, let's move on. There so, how do you think 2017 has shaped or would shape the forecast for 2018, both in co- co-ops and condos, or just in 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 uh, new developments and resales in general? So we know we we kind of went through 2017. Now we're coming into the early part of 18. What's I mean? What's the forecast? And do you think 17 has affected 18? in any significant way. Yeah, I think, I think 2017 has set the precedent for uh, major concessions and uh, the, the ability to negotiate, especially in new developments. In new developments, okay. Uh, you see a lot of people um, using negotiation tactics we haven't seen in a very long time. Um, like, uh, you know, some people might throw out rent to own, for instance, and we haven't seen that since 2010. 11. I'm getting a lot of those questions. That's you're right. Getting, you're starting to get things like that. Uh, common yeah. charge uh, decreases, um, you know, transfer taxes. Everybody wants the seller to pay the transfer tax yeah. right now. So you're seeing a lot of uh, old negotiation tactics because the market was very slow at the latter half of 17. But do you think um, do you think that we are setting that that trend has been set, or do you think it's going to change back a little bit in eighteen? I mean, I think we're still at the start of this year, um, I, so it's early, maybe too soon to tell. But where do you think we're going throughout this year? I mean, I, I get what twenty seventeen was about, and it's being part of new development sales, I, I see it firsthand. But why do you think that's going to trend in in? Uh, I think 18? inventory is increasing. I've got a lot of things coming in in the next four to six weeks. I'm hearing that from a lot of other brokers as well. Um, the question is, how is, how is all that inventory going to affect all the inventory? Right. I mean, you know, you have to be so careful with pricing nowadays, just in general. And in some cases, I've still priced conservatively so that I can get a lot of people in the door and it's working. Um, but it's, it's much more of a risk now than it was, say, two, three years ago when, you know, if you price conservatively, you know you're getting over. Tracy, what are your thoughts on that? 
I completely agree with Anna. I find that in this market, so there's a couple of things. The inventory underneath the million dollars is still, because that's such a strong entry point for most people coming into the market, Um, I'm still seeing bidding wars. I'm still seeing things staying on the market for a week. We had one open house and got multiple offers for one of our newest listings, a small two-bedroom in the East Village. So I think it really is segmented. I think for the higher price points um, and a lot of the condo development, Absolutely, um, especially if it's a resale, you want to be pricing at the market or perhaps just slightly under, and that's not a strategy yeah. that I've employed much in the past. Yeah. But I think that's I, what it I, takes I, to get some real activity. Yeah, I, I agree with that. In fact, I was just talking to somebody yesterday about that strategy of pricing just a little under marketplace, so you can get much more of an audience into your into your listing and potentially you know get a bit over to it's, where it should trade up. But yeah, there, there's still exactly. skepticism. With when it comes with the sellers, when <laughs> yeah. it comes to doing that, they're afraid they're going to leave something on the table. In fact, they're not. But it's hard to explain to them that this could be a strategy that really will right. work. Right. Well, it's hard to be it's hard to be as confident with that strategy as as I said earlier. You know, years ago, I I would be very confident about it, and I'd say, go in at this number, you're going to get well above what you think you should be getting. But now it's it's more it's a lot more of a risk, and sellers are just you know. They're nervous. They're worried, you know, and and they think you're underpricing them because you want a quick sale. And right, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and another thing that I've noticed too at the start of this year. I mean, there's always been a little bit of it, but I'm finding that brokers coming in with their clients, you know, and then we get to the point where they want to put an offer and we start negotiating. I'm finding agents becoming a lot more confrontational, yes, and a lot more combative. And I had an, <laughs> an episode last night went on for almost an hour in the apartment. The buyers came on Sunday. Oh, the broker yeah. came yesterday to see it uh, because they want to put an offer in. And he's fighting with me the entire one hour about the price. It shouldn't be this. It should be X. And after all, I did the comps and blah, blah. And I just walked away from that 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 conversation thinking, you know what, dude? Just put your offer in and let's see where yeah. it goes. I'm telling you. Negotiate from there. The I just had are. a rental negotiation. A rental. I mean, pages. This guy went through all the comps, none of which were even valid. Correct. And this is for a, a $6,500 rental. I mean, <laughs> which is significant. Which but, is but significant. Still. And this is a Gramercy Park penthouse overlooking the park. I mean, small, but. It's a really great apartment. He's he's comping things overlooking Union Square and looking into another building. And I'm like, you know, and 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 the key to the park is not meaningful to him. I said, well, maybe this isn't the apartment for you. I mean, completely. The, right. I've, but I've now been, we're doing the deal. I've been seeing that a lot over the last few. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> I've been seeing that a lot over the last few months too. Just I, I think that what's happening is that because of the market, clients both on the buy side and more obviously on the sale side are just nervous for many different reasons and they take their nerves out on their brokers nice. and you know then the brokers <laughs> and then, therapist. right Very and then the true. broker feels stressed and okay. you know who does the broker talk to their co-broker and and I mean we always talk about how important it is to have a great broker on your side and especially in a market like this um, and I think what brokers are trying to do these days and a lot of them who were finding confrontational will probably not be in this industry anymore at the end of the year I find because what they're trying to do is they're trying to impress their clients yeah, they're trying by to be looking, the hero. right? By yeah. looking like they're working harder and working, they, and they're hard actually killing to, the deal. Exactly, and they, not yeah. only are they killing the deal, they're they're doing things that are not valid, yeah. and yeah. and that's that's a problem. This yeah. guy, from my experience last night, is absolutely going to kill the deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, their handwriting is on the wall, and again, I think it's because they want to be the hero. You know, there's something to be said for that. You certainly want to take care of your client and get the best price for your client. I get that. And we all have been in this business long enough to understand that. However, when something is priced 
perfect in this particular mm-hmm. case. And I'm not just saying that because it's my listing, but it's perfectly priced. Well, you're good at what you do. And will move. And it's only on the market two weeks. So let's see. I mean, I, I hope for the best for the, for this buyer because the buyer and his wife really love this apartment. Yeah. And so I hate to see the agent. All I can say is say, you know, more people should have a deal like Sean and I just had <laughs> where, <laughs> sure, do this, do that. You want in? No problem. I mean, everything is so lovely. That's, where, that's where people 20, come to make deals. And 20, and 20 days later, we close. What's the word, right? It's professional. Wow, it's congrats. You do the right thing. It's, you are professional it, and it works. Uh, you know, I think especially when you first enter the business, you think it might be some type of adversarial situation where you're bringing yeah. a buyer and you got to fight for your buyer. But it should really be like a symphony. It should be like a concert. Like you should work with the person to get your people the best deal possible on the best possible terms. Yeah, it's never yeah. it's never going to be to your benefit to be combative. No, and, and actually, if you ever sorry, Matt, yeah, okay. if you if you ever sit on on a seminar or listen to anybody talk about art of negotiation, it's never combative. It's always, you know, and make that person your friend, be on the same side, and 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 understand that you're all aiming towards the same goal. It's never combative. Those it, people need to sit in on one of those seminars. It should. Anyway, we have to leave it there and pick it up on the other side of the break. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away because we'll be right back. Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back, and um, we're talking to Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Elliman, Phil Horrigan from LeaseBreak.com, Anna Shagaloff from Halstead Real Estate, and Sean McPeak from Compass. So this is not new news, but how much has the luxury market slid? I mean, they're talking about, you know, $7 million is the new $9 million. I mean, 
you know, we're, we, we, we all dabble in new development. We all see what the prices are. We've seen them come down. But, I mean, are we really talking about $7 million today versus $9 million yesterday? I mean, just to use a number as an example, how much – have we really slid in that, you know, say over five million dollar marketplace? Well, I mean, a, I, ahead, I don't know. Like, I think that we're sliding in it, and I think that we've been sliding in it for months, if not a year. But at the same time, I'm very into social media, obviously, and you know, I ever since I was in a bidding war with, with this guy from Josh Rubin's team, he constantly posts, you know, curbed reports and New York Times reports about the Olshan report, saying how you know high-end market is doing better than ever this week like over 30 contracts signed over three million dollars exactly and i'm like what i was just gonna and i'm like wait the real deal was, 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 right uh, i'm like I, where am i seeing that because i'm not seeing that so i would love to know but I, yeah. it, you can I, see I, I think sometimes one sale can lead to development of a whole building or a couple marquee sales can really start a chain reaction and then at the end of last year we saw the the major deals happening at 432 park mm. and that could be an indicator of it coming back but I think the price, the main price decreases have just been really unrealistic pricing, pricing being revised. Yeah. A lot of people looking for $3,000 <clears> a square foot. Yeah. And in most neighborhoods, it's just not possible. I also think when you're seeing a lot of the, that news about mm-hmm. the high-end market, it's things that were not put on the market recently. It was things that were put on the market a while ago that are probably just closing. Yep. Right. Um, well, Like absolutely. new developments. or mm-hmm. But at the same point. time... I think the ones that are going into contract these days are really strong, firm buildings like the 15 Central Park West. And um, I use that example because every time I turn around and see a new high-end deal going to contract, it's usually at like 212 fifth. Something like that. Mm. Um, so I think you know, to all developers yeah, well, out there, 15, build build that strong isn't building new anymore. So that that's pretty much you know a, a marquee building. But I mean, it's a resale situation. You're right; it is mostly there, but. I have an $8 million penthouse, and I got a $7 million offer on it two weeks ago. And, wow. of course, I can say we're, we're going nowhere, clearly. I mean, that's a little bit of a, uh, a you know, what do you want to say? It, it's a low-balled. It, <laughs> it's more than, I mean, it's a, a shaved head. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. So my, my developer is sort of in shock. And I'm like, okay, so how Will you not even counter to start the conversation? We we didn't counter Tracy, and the reason for that is because I think you know we we always talk about this. I mean, but the, I think that the developer is is insulted. He's like, this is you know out of control. I can understand Everybody's that he doesn't doing want to- that though. Yeah. Everybody, I, I mean, at one seventy two Madison, we're getting major uh, yeah. major low ball offers, but we bring them up and they always come up. I mean, yeah, you just have to start the conversation. Involved, they're just yeah. used to doing that. That's just what they're seeing in the well, market. Well, my guy's strategy was we're going to give it a week, which is just about coming up. Now, no, it is a week. Yesterday was a weekend. So we're going to come back with some kind of a counter, you know, whatever that number is. Um, I'm not quite sure. But the buyer, you know, and, and here's the situation, you know, it's a direct deal, so I'm kind of in the middle of both of these parties. And at the end oh, of the day, that's, that's the buyer yeah. says to me, I am not budging. Don't come back to me with a counter, blah, blah, blah. He said, I'm going to just sit Also, if you come back months. a week later with a counter, that means that there's been no other activity on the on the Correct. unit. So, that's so also, it's actually putting yourself at a disadvantage. I, that's right. That's absolutely. also to talk about what we, were just, what we were just referring to before the commercial break. I mean, that's why I love co-broking. Like, that's why I having two brokers, yeah, I think, is important. the best. Because if you're stuck with the direct – 
you like it's hard to negotiate when you're negotiating with another broker you can have a relationship with them you're both have you both have the same goal <laughs> and of and course he says well advised. you know i can take the the yeah. commission off that i would you know give to a co-broker we can take that off the purchase price i mean they get very crafty i get offended very- when buyers say that to me like i truly i get offended when a direct buyer comes to me and he's like he or she is like i'm giving you this offer because i, I know time. that you're going to get more commission or less yeah, commission and i'm too. like you are you joking agreement yeah and i'm yeah. i'm also like i'm representing the seller and trying to get the seller the best price like I, this I, is not I how have, it works we all have the same situation one, i just one thing it. i wanted to just say is that in general this market's really interesting because i find that buyers yeah they don't want to pay asking price so when i'm having these discussions with sellers Previous to the last say year, the discussions would always be, "Look, you just price it at or a little below, and it's gonna That's fly, what we were earlier, right?" Yeah. But oh, sorry, <laughs> I might have missed the discussion. <laughs> but I, but I said like, fail. now, now we're I'm, I'm pricing a little higher, which you guys already talked about, I guess. Yeah. But I'm pricing a little higher in order to kind of just make the point that look, we don't know where where buyers want to end, but we know that they want something off the price. Yeah. So. Um, you know, and I think in general, if you price at something that closed like prices, 2014, 15 prices, you should be fine. That is what I find is the problem is people are just pricing too high. If you look at what's closing and do your comps and then suggest a price, it right. tends to be well, like the last thing. Here, here's the thing, and you're leading into, I, we, we talked about this last week on the show, but we had a different set of panel members here, so I wanted to bring it up again because it's a very important <laughs> subject, price per square foot, okay? Mm. How important is price per square foot? Everyone in this town mm. is looking to buy something at a discount, at a bargain. Everybody wants something on the buy side today. We all get it. So Phil just made a good point. We 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 tend to price higher because the seller wants a higher price, but is that always the right price? When you look at the comps today, when you look to see how the market has potentially slid or corrected, mm-hmm. and you say, well, it used to be $1,500 a foot, but I think right now we get $1,350, $1,400, a seller's going to say, absolutely not. I want 15 Actually, mm-hmm. that happened six months ago, so let's try fifteen fifty a square foot. Right. Maybe I think- we can achieve better in this in What's this the deal? in this market more than ever it depends on where because i'm finding that in a place right like and tri- what? yeah and what but I, like in tribeca right now um price per foot doesn't mean a lot it's all about the end price because you know you could have a two-bedroom loft that's two thousand square feet or a two-bedroom loft that's like four thousand square feet and at the end of the day it's a two-bedroom so price square foot doesn't mean as much down there mm-hmm. but then in you know a place like the upper west side or the upper east side where units are more comparable in terms of square footage people still base it off of that but then i mean i had a meeting with a you know i had a group meeting with a developer at the end of last week who were working with on a project in chelsea and we were talking about price per square foot in terms of their unit mix-up and their their square footages are much larger than the majority of the square footages in that neighborhood. So it's really hard to do a price per square foot analysis when you have that variance. To Matt's point, I'm sorry, I should say Matt's point, this is why last week I brought up, it's so important, I think, for brokers to have their own way to calculate square footage because this way you're comparing apples to apples. We very rarely will just use what is provided by the offering plan because like you just stated, it can be measured in so many different ways and it can really mislead you. No, no, you're you're absolutely correct. However, as we talked about last week, um, you know, price per square foot isn't always the right measurement. <clears throat> there are a lot of other factors that go into yeah. the 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 purchase. I say of an apartment, and a lot of it is visual. You know, you if you if the space where I mean, I will argue with people over fifty square feet. Mm-hmm. I have to have seven hundred square feet. You show them something at six fifty, they say no. 
Now, well, fifty square feet at that size could is, be meaningful. That's, yeah, that's a good yeah. It could be, a, could be an extra bathtub or hallway, though. Yeah, you know, just, two thousand square feet, fifty feet. That's nothing. It's well, more about the dimensions and and <clears throat> you know the way the apartment's shaped and the what floor. If it's pre-war, I get it. If it's post-war and it's or new condo development and it's all livable space, fifty feet doesn't make a difference. If you're in a pre-war, that could be a whole. When I have a buyer totally like that, yeah. I just tell them to be very, very uh, wary of what the listed square footage is because right. you don't know what metrics they're using. And my pet, there's yeah. not a general, there's my, not a general acceptable metric. Right. To my pet this. peeve is, and I know this guy over here is going to disagree with me, but my pet peeve with price per square foot is it's not about the size. Okay, it's not about six fifty. It's not about seven hundred. It's about the spreadsheet. And when they put the paper, the numbers to the paper, and you know they look at what 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 it is per per foot, and they feel like, well, you know, it, it shouldn't be that you know they're asking a hundred or two hundred dollars more per foot, and I shouldn't really pay for that. And I say, it's more than just that. It's about the space. It's a visual thing. Can you live in the space yeah. versus a larger space that maybe is a hallway that you, you can, can't I, really live in? I feel like in. dollar per square foot. So if, that's if an you, indi- that's something, but it's yeah. not everything. If if you have if you're if you're looking at the kind of apartment where there are so many comparables, then you can look at dollar per square foot. But there are so many that are also special, where either the views or the ceilings are high right. or the renovation, Absolutely. Absolutely. and you have to account for that. You can't really just look at the numbers. So Vince, I'm going to say something that I hope. And also I think private outdoor space because yeah. you know sometimes everyone has Which their own. Actually, isn't as valued as that. As I think kind of. The standard is fifty percent of the exterior added in, but people have a different opinion about that, and that's certainly. I was going to ask you about that, Tracy. So, how how do you handle outdoor space? The way I was born and raised, you know, we take half of the square footage outdoor and add it to the indoor, and then. That's too much exactly. these days. It's too yeah, much. This, yeah, it's too much now. It is. It's it's, it's valued separately. Yeah, definitely. we've always done it. Really? I'm still holding on to that, guys. I'm still holding on to the fifty percent. Fifty percent price and market and just come. I just priced right. something using half the outside space too, so I'm going to hold on to yeah. that just for a little bit longer. I don't know if it's the right thing to do, but just for a little you longer. Maybe. Um, <laughs> well, it's clearly the right thing because we're doing it. So a- apartments yeah. with with substantial outdoor space is is valued a lot less <laughs> than say right. an actual usable terrace. Correct. That is. There's, you can put a by table the way, there's another way to line. price out outdoor places, and I've heard other brokers do this, and I've tried it, and it works really well. Is you. You put the outdoors square. You put the outdoor space aside. Mm-hmm. You don't value it using that at all. You price it based on it not having outdoor space, and then it just flies because basically now you're almost like it's priced That's as if strategy. the outdoor space yeah. is free and they come in. But but I wanted to say but something. But everybody asks though, when when they come, they away. say, "Does this right. square footage right. in your in your show sheet include outdoors?" And right. I'm like, "No." Or, or storage. And the reason <laughs> I suggested that Seriously. is because sometimes if you price too high, like if you use fifty percent for yeah. example, mm-hmm. you're now your price is high. For interior square footage, that may not work for a lot of people. So you may be knocking out a lot of people, uh, buyers that are looking. But if you price low, they come in, the space itself works, and now they see the outdoor space, and they're like, I have to have this place. Yeah, it's that extra park. But I wanted to say – I'm sorry. I just wanted to say to something that's going to square, I think, both of our – different ways we look at price per square foot. And I think we come to an agreement. Here's how I think about it. Price per square foot gets me to within 10% of what the price should be. Then the intangibles could take me further. So that's kind of how I look at it because I agree it's not the be all and the end all. But I can't tell you how many times because of the size of an apartment, the way it looks, it has furniture, it doesn't have furniture. It's it. You do not know how big that place is until you actually run the numbers. And you may say, well, then no one knows it. They do. The educated buyer who seen a million places always knows better than any broker does. If they're really looking and they're searching and they know exactly what they want, they'll walk in there and they will know immediately. Absolutely. So that's why oh, I think it's so buyers. important. 
Love those. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That it's it's very true, and and you can I can almost spot them coming in the door, whether it's open mm-hmm. house or when they come in with a broker, you know, in a private showing, whatever. You can almost spot them coming in the door. Oh, this is going to be one of those, or oh, this is going to mm-hmm. be one of those. And you kind of, you know, when you have done this long enough, you kind of adjust your strategy in just conversation with people because you want to get to a good place, as yeah. Anna said before, non-confrontational with buyer or broker and just make it a pleasant experience and, and hopefully make it work with an offer and and a good negotiation and a, and a deal. I will say that the market, because the market is moving a little slower than it was a couple of years ago, if a, if a seller is insistent on the higher price per square foot, I'd like to have an agreement with them that in two weeks, mm-hmm. let's revisit while you're still new on the market. Two weeks, you're still new. Agreed. Where a couple of years ago, you were you were a husband at two weeks, <laughs> oh um, God, but yeah. now you're still new. So if you if if you're not getting it's the calls, time not pay. getting the showings, then you're you're still getting in front of new eyeballs. Get down to that proper price. I agree. I'm I'm long enough in this business. We got to take a break. I'm long enough in this business <laughs> to remember showing up at open house with not only show sheets yeah. but offer forms, offer form. sitting on the floor mm-hmm. with people filling out offer forms yeah. and making a spreadsheet because you got ten offers in one Sunday on an apartment. Anyway, we'll be back right after this break. Sorry, this is Dave. Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back and we're talking to the panel. So let me ask a question. What is the right season these days to purchase a home in New York City? Is buying in the winter, for example an advantage or is it not? You know, we used to be a marketplace, a very seasonable marketplace. I don't think we are anymore. So with that said, where is or what is the right time of year to purchase a home in it's, New York it, City? There are so many ways of looking at it. So if if you're a buyer in the winter, you're going to have less competition, but you're also going to have less inventory. So if you see something you love, you just go for it and don't look back. If you're a buyer in the spring or fall, you're going to have a lot more to look at or Hopefully, because as you said, it's not as seasonal as it was, but there are going to be a lot more buyers out of hibernation or back from vacations. I always, always, I don't know, I don't know if I would phrase it as when is the best time to buy a home rather than when is the best time to sell a home. I think that, you know, the best time to sell a home in my years of experience is always right after Labor Day weekend in the fall. Best time to sell? Yeah, Hmm. in the fall. I think that 
right? Fall. I always confuse Memorial and Labor Day. I think that, you know, in September is a great time to put homes on the market. Um, you know, people are officially back from their summer vacations. They're not going to their summer homes as much. You know, they're back. They're they're ready to go. Um, then again, but in there's a suburbs, but, but there's a that's a little there. different. There's, a big but. there's there, a but there. Well, I was saying. Tell me the but. You have a very short window of selling. Yes. You've got like six weeks of time yeah. on market to sell in good periods. When I first started in this business, that was the only time to list. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't list then, you made them wait until spring. springtime. Right, but in all fairness, outside of the suburbs, at least in New York City, if you haven't sold your apartment yet, in my opinion, within two months, there's a problem. Like there's either a problem in the price there's a problem in the market. There's something yeah, going on. But then on. you're stuck. I but mean, then you're, you're right. Yeah, if you're if if you do give that seller, you know, the dollar per square foot that they want, and then you're four <laughs> weeks in, you've just completely now destroyed yeah, but, your sale. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but then and if then, you and hit, then you're just counting numbers on the mar days on the market. But in my well, opinion, if say, you hit, and the street easy counter, hate mm -hmm. to say the word, sorry, but the the counter that <laughs> clicks continues, you know, mm -hmm. through the holiday but season. It's unfortunately, but it's a strategy because street easy resets at ninety days, and if you take it off the market in November, if it's having an issue, then you hope to completely reset everything. Like you reset the whole package. That's and assuming I think, your seller is going to be that flexible, though. True. I've also Good had point. a lot of problems with September, depending on when the Jewish holidays. Fall. I mean, sometimes yeah, that's, that's the second half of September. It's really tough. Yeah. You know, you just don't. I, I mean, I found so I, I always say it's riskier. I, I will say fall. fall is the second best, but I do I do find that to put an apartment on the market, the spring is spring. usually the best just because. So, where and when in spring do you put it on? Um, April. February, March, April. Well, you got to be yeah, on contract before Memorial Day. Yes, I would say ideally, like a few just said, but I, I do have a strategy of sometimes February, right March, because then you get, you get like. There isn't as much inventory out right, there, right, right. but hey, a lot of buyers, they get their bonuses and they are starting to look. Yeah. And they want to be settled before summertime. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, June is typically kids. the highest inventory month. Yeah. yeah. That's true. And you get like a nice February where the weather's yeah. nicer. The like reason I say March. April, though, as opposed to March is that winter is kind of lasting longer and longer and longer. <laughs> right. And depending on your on your product, you're, I mean, I have a penthouse, penthouse coming on on mm. Gramercy with a huge outdoor space, yeah. and I want to list it within the next two weeks. Yeah, and it's yes. an eight million dollar penthouse, and I really would prefer that it's nice out yeah. <laughs> when yeah. when that happens. But I do want to list it in March before That's inventory is crazy. So. Absolutely. So say, mm. saying that we're all successful and we list at the right time and we find the right buyers, whatever. If you find yourself or your buyers find themselves in a bidding war for an apartment. How important is it to write a personal letter to the seller, and what should that Very. letter say or not say? Well, so shout out to Mike Lubin of Brown Harris Stevens, who I'm doing a deal with right now, and um, and I, 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 he and I joked while negotiating this because we said only my clients would take an apartment that has multiple bidders <laughs> these days, um, and over a million dollars, obviously. Um, but so there were multiple offers. My clients weren't necessarily the highest, but we, you know, we really, I believe in putting together the perfect package for where the that. listing broker is not going to come back to me and ask me questions. Questions. I want him to him or her to have absolutely everything, mm -hmm. and because um, then they are much more confident about the offer. And at the same time, you know, and that includes much more than just the revenue financial statement and the pre-approval letter. I also include, for example, with this client of mine, you know, I included pictures of their family. Um, I included, you know, major background about them. I included their degrees, their uh, you know, attorney. They're both attorneys, so like their attorney bios. I mean. 
mean, it was me. It was like a book, and and I I love that. I love like I'm I'm also doing um, a deal with uh, Ruth Refkin actually right now. Uh, Robert Refkin's yeah. mother, who who's actually so sweet, like one of the sweetest women I've ever worked with. Um, when I got her offer, it was I mean email with 10 attachments of anything from pictures to you know templates of their their history in college to to anything and i said to her i was like this is amazing i i wish that everyone could i had a bidding war situation too and i not only beyond the letter from the actual buyer but really just evaluating the broker which is kind of Mm -hmm. what we're alluding to here is just having a competent broker on the other side i had a apartment in brooklyn heights i just closed on last week and we had eight offers and uh really only two of them i really felt confident in and one of them's broker was pretty bad but we ended up going with him but i was (laughs) really trying not to um go with somebody i felt was very inexperienced and i'm I'm doing it wait why did you go with the inexperienced broker then the Uh, highest price yeah um, it it sounds like that Uh, yeah well that actually um it was but we had originally told him to take a hike but um uh we we found another offer we you know i kept both of them on the burner and the other offer was just a lady who was very unrealistic she wanted to have um the you know the it was an old uh townhouse they wanted like the entire townhouse inspected and a lot of the uh utilities were in uh, and the mechanicals were in someone's private unit and they said no way but did the inexperienced broker put together a good package um it was just a list of documents it wasn't even it's a self-managed building it wasn't like a real board Mm -hmm. package so i just had a bidding war and um the 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 person that won the bidding wars, Juliana Fry from Brown Harris. And I, she's great. She's great. She's great. So um, she put together not only a, a lovely background on the buyers who I'd met twice, who I personally was just, I, I wanted them to win. I mean, I can only do so much from my standpoint, but she sent me all of this information, including a completed deal sheet. Oh my Which goodness. Which was so great. Confidence. Juliana, if you're listening, uh, thank that. you. I have to get <laughs> it was really, I mean, it, that totally is it spoke to me more so the than the sellers, but this is somebody that knows what she's doing. And I was able to say to the sellers, like, look, you know, we're neck and neck with somebody else. The financials for this buyer is passable for a number of reasons, even though the backup was probably a slam dunk financially, but these people were they're with a broker who is going to push it through to the end. She's going to put together a board package that is going to speak to the board. Mm-hmm. It's going to speak to the management and it's going to be beautiful. And I'm very excited to do she's deal. Speaking, she's speaking to everybody yeah. killing, you know, and spoke to me with that deal. Multiple she... apples with one stone. It's like, it's like Louise always talks about the, the P's of listing an apartment mm. and creating the perfect thing right from the start. It's the same way with it's representing a buyer. Like don't, I, I hate when you get offers and you know, there's just like a revenue statement and then the broker calls me and they say oh i'm gonna send you the pre-approval letter within the next few days and i'm like okay well i'm not gonna present your offer to my seller until i have your full offer like Mm -hmm. i am sorry but that is the best way to approach a seller and it's the most fair way so elementary i mean you know some people have right have everything right from the start all right with landlord concessions you know continuing to be prevalent in the rental market which is continuing to be down especially new developments higher cost apartments around the city more and more renters are coming across the term net effective rent in listings and this is interesting because i've never heard this term more than the last couple of months everybody comes in saying is this a net effect rent and i'm like um yeah that's it's a new, just what yeah. the rent is yeah what does it mean 
What is the bottom line? What is net effect? Explain Vin, to everybody. I think, Vince, do you hate net effective more than price per square foot? Yes. Or, okay. Yes. Um, now, so net effective rent is where the landlord or the, the, I guess the landlord is offering some incentive, one month free, two months free, three months free rent. And so the net effective is you take the total rent for that total period, including the free months, divided by the number of months. Right. So in other words, the net effective rent is less than the printed rent on your lease, Correct. essentially, right? Um, Vince, you hate the term. I'm okay with the term because, again, I feel don't, like- Don't you think it confuses people yes, more than it does it not It definitely confuse confuses. People. That's why I don't If there was it. a better way to phrase it, I'm okay with it. But the truth is, like, when you live in the days of real estate marketplaces where people search by price, if something is $5,000, but you're getting four months free, and that you're comparing that to a $5,000 a month rental where you're not getting four months free, I do think that that one for 5,000 with four months free should come up Here's my question. Less, so know? instead of four months free, five months free, 5,000 per month, why don't you just discount the rent to well, what it should because be of Phil's point. Tw- yeah. because of Phil's point to, of the landlord in the in the future to once higher yeah. rent. No, 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 no. The if they want to refinance, if they want to refinance the building, they need yeah, that's rent on their yeah. spreadsheet. And okay. also, and also, the tenants are looking for concessions. If they don't get a concession, then they are they're they're feeling yeah. you know over that they're overpaying. Yeah, yeah. But what if somebody can't afford five thousand dollars per month? Their budget is really four thousand dollars per month. So I get the concessions. I get that, but. At some point, they will have to come out of pocket five thousand dollars in a in well, the, a check to the, the landlord way, every month. The that, way that's they're, what they're I'm supposed saying. to be, even if they have a quote unquote free month, they're supposed to be paying it into an account and where they can make up the rent every month to to you. They're not supposed to just not pay one month. If it nets down to four thousand dollars a month, that's dead to pay four thousand dollars a month theoretically over twelve months, rather than just waiting for that second month to kick in, right? Whatever. It's yeah, I mean, 5, I think Vince, yeah, I think to Vince's point, you're saying like, if the net effective rent is say 5,000, but the printed rent is 6,000, you're saying like, <laughs> what if a tenant can't afford to write a check if their cash flow doesn't allow them to Correct. write a check for 6,000 a month? Correct. I would say, yeah, then they wouldn't rent that apartment, which is why they have to disclose. Cause I cannot stand when brokers or landlords don't disclose that it's net effective rent. So you have to disclose it on the description. So yes, you could put down the price is four, three, you know, four thousand three, 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 and then you have to say net effective rent includes two months free. Then it's fine. Then people get it. They could do the math themselves. They could see if they could afford it. Let me it, ask you something. You know? so then it's ha- transparent. So how do you qualify a renter with the forty times rule <laughs> when you have a net effect of X? Because if it's five thousand a month, it's not going to be seventy-two thousand dollars a year. It's going to be less than that. So what are you basing that on? That's, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. It gets very convoluted. It's yeah. actually a good question. I don't really know what the the official answer to that is. Like I don't know. If I think uh, my guess is some landlords do it by using the 40 times the net effective and some landlords do it 40 times the uh, amount on the lease. Well, you know, they reel them in and they then they size them up and then they get a guarantor involved and figure out a way to close the deal once the person falls in love with the apartment. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> right. And we've talked about that before on this program where, you know, we have guarantors, guarantees, whatever you want to call them, um, parents. I mean, this is a situation that I've just... I started my career dealing with almost every single day. It was uh, right. when I started. I was down on Wall Street. No and fees. There was no fee buildings. No every every mm. all over the place, and it was a net effective. And you'd have like three roommates trying to like you know right. rub all their pennies right. together and make I'm, it work. I'm finding in my condo rentals, and I might have m- mentioned this last week. I have to have most of them now are going to no fee because no one yeah. wants to pay a broker fee. Yeah, yeah even it's if they insane. love the apartment. Yeah. Even all if they love the apartment, love it. They yeah. will tell me. They they will call me and ask me before they even see it. 
Is there a broker fee? Yes. Okay, thank you. Yeah, they won't. They, they won't, won't see even it. come. This is the most successful I've ever been getting my landlords to pay the fee, though. Same here. Yeah. yeah. All right, we got to take a break. We um, are live from Blastoff Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. We'll come right back after these messages. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. We are back, and I'm talking to Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Elliman, Phil Horrigan, LeaseBreak.com, Anna Shagalov, uh, Halstead Real Estate, and Sean McPeak from Compass. All right, so I, st- I said at the start of the show, new developments make for solid investment opportunities. They're highly sought after by foreign investors looking to park their cash in New York City real estate. Uh, also uh, very attractive to local buyers. <clears throat> Whether you're a foreign national seeking an investment or looking to live in your dream apartment, new development condos will always have their buyers and sellers with developers continuing to work at a rapid pace to meet both domestic and international demand. The price points will continue to accelerate. Those that buy into the new development market at a good price point will be handsomely rewarded in the long term. So it's still considered a good investment, even though developers have made concessions, they've lowered some prices, they're paying uh, transfer taxes or closing costs on the back end. Um, 
And again, it's not just for foreign investors. You know, I, I think I saw this week on Facebook that um, Michael Dell, the owner yeah. and founder and, and president and chairman of Dell Corporate Computer Corporation, was identified as the buyer of the $100 million penthouse four years ago at 157. So you say, who on earth would spend $100 million? Well, he's worth $23 no, billion. Yeah. So it's, oh, it's all right. <laughs> and wait, and his broker was Leighton Candler, right? Yes. Really? Yeah. Gender. Yeah, yeah. Lo- love that. I loved hearing that. And she's still working. <laughs> she's amazing. She like has some Rolodex. Oh my God. Oh, yes, she does. So yeah. anyway, so what, what are your comments on, on, the, on the new development, you know, uh, situation here where people say to me all the time, why do people continue to insist upon buying these luxury, very expensive, you know, uh, condo glass, what do we call them? Glass, you know, towers in the sky. What's the allure here? So Even it, though we've slid a little bit, it's still very. I effective. call it the iPhone effect, and mm. yeah, the iPhone ten exactly sales have been horrible. So and <laughs> so have some of these towers. So like every time they build, it's like one fifty seven, and then one fifty seven kind of lost steam when four thirty two park came, and then five twenty park. So <clears throat> I kind of feel like the bigger, better, uh, shinier tower is what sells the best it's in the trophy, moment. The trophy, but um, I think they're kind of cannibalizing each other right now. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. When I um, one of the one of the few things that a lot of my clients all have in common is that they all take the West Side Highway a lot. I, I sort of got it's like a weird thing. I do. Um, I find that all of them would rather go up and down the West Side Highway than take the FDR. So why I say that is because they all will email or text or call me and say, "What are these buildings that are getting built on the West Side Highway?" And and you you know think about it. You have. Hudson Yards, obviously, which is the big one. And you have like Waterline Square now, which Hudson is Hudson Yards, by the way, is you pass by in a taxi cab on the highway, it's looking very crowded. Those yeah. buildings came up out of nowhere. Yeah. What's amazing though is when you're actually in this space, like when you're in the actual lots, they're pretty far apart. Like I'm it's, sure it's just, far. it's okay. Point, point <clears throat> is that so Waterline Square is between 50, like, 58th and 60th I want to say and it's it's all the way near the West Side Highway it's near where um, One Riverside is and where um, One West End is and it's just so they asked me about these buildings because they're so architecturally cool for lack of better terms they're very so different it's, it's to Sean's point it's it's what piques their interest it's it's different they're you know they're they're new they're beautiful like everyone is going to say ooh what is that no, you're you're absolutely one thousand percent correct. <laughs> but like I said, and I'm sitting in front of a room full of millennials, of course. But but what I always uh, say I, is, I don't think you well, are actually. <laughs> thank you. Close. You're still close. Anyway, so but but my point is, you know, and I say this continually on this program. I am an I'm a New Yorker. I'm an old time New Yorker. I prefer old versus new. I'm insulted sometimes when I go past some of these glass towers that have knocked down some of these mom-and-pop buildings, some of these gorgeous pre-war buildings, to put this hideous-looking glass tower. I get it. I sell them. I think I sell them better than anybody. But why? I just don't understand why there's no charm. There's no character. Can I tell you something so sad? The Sunshine Cinema. Oh uh, uh, yeah, Houston I saw that. is being torn down. Yes, to, which is so sad. And that's my neighborhood, to, uh, being torn down to create glass tower office space. Mm. Uh, oh, it's gut wrenching. I, w- I will. S- it's, I, sorry, it's a bit of a tangent, but I will say though, I think that enough. so. 
this meeting that I had with this developer last week was very interesting because they're they're doing this project that is more it is ground up, but they're trying to make it feel like more of a conversion, so less of a glass tower, and it's and they were. The the comparison that they were using was built like fifteen CPW. It looks pre war. Well, no, 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 no. So, so yeah. they were using All the externs. they were using the comparison of four hundred Park Avenue South, the Toll Brothers building that's glass and I think mm. horrible looking. Like I I would rather shield my eyes. Um, or directly across the street, you have <laughs> sunglasses. The, <laughs> directly across the street, you have the Hoys or the House, however you however you pronounce it, the H U Y S. Thank you, Tracy. The house and 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 that's a conversion. <laughs> and it's gorgeous. And and so they said to me, they were like, using that comparison, what do you think the buyers of our development will be? And I said, I think <laughs> you know, if you compare those, you would probably find that a lot of people who bought in the Glass Toll Brothers building are international, and mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people that bought at House are probably continental. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. I think you're going to see a lot of New Yorkers Absolutely. and more continental U.S. people I go for conversion. Well, I think I think two one two Fifth Completely Avenue. Agree. I think a lot of domestic buyers oh, and yeah. New Yorkers are. Yes. I think the vast majority <clears throat> of that building, I and totally they agree. they recognize the quality of the conversion. Mm-hmm. Shout out to our friend Nikki. Uh, in a refreshing <laughs> way, many New York City residential developments are taking advantage of new technologies like keyless door entry systems and digital concierges. So not to re- not to replace humans, but rather to enhance, maybe. What do you think about these new technologies? I mean, these virtual door people, keyless, uh, get fob keys to get in and out of buildings, in and out of your apartment, maybe palm touch. I have a building mm-hmm. that I'm selling that you palm touch a red circle That's and the cool. door opens. That's great at flu season. It's great at flu season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are these things that you see your buyers asking for, are they really necessary? Do people really want them? I mean, I don't think they're asking for them, but that's where the future's headed. I mean, look at the iPhone. Yeah. Oh, like yes. You have the your Flintstone. face, face right? ID. Face yes, recognition. Yes. You know, you're, it's, it's actually pretty cool. Yeah. There's no question that everything's going to be face recognition in the future. I'm sure getting into your apartment will be face recognition. I don't want my face so, recognized. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. That's why we're know. doing radio, right, oh, folks? I I <laughs> you all are beautiful. I'm not. <laughs> yes, you are. Not um, so, yeah, it gets, just gets more efficient once the technology costs come down, and that's just where the future's heading. You know? yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of Hurricane Sandy when, up with the Joneses. when uh, yeah. in the East Village, my friend's building got flooded in. You needed to request a key from the super in order to get in and out because the fob yeah. wasn't working oh, anymore. I mean, that's well, that, that's the thing. I have a fob to get into one of my buildings on the east side where I work. And sometimes, you know, I'm like, okay, come on. What's what's going on? You know, this friction, static, whatever it is, and it doesn't catch. I don't know what the situation is. Now, can you imagine getting in a building <laughs> at 2 o'clock in the morning and you can't? Right. I mean, you want to get into your apartment at 2 o'clock in the morning and you can't? There should also, always be a backup system. Unfortunately, there isn't. Well, sometimes also, there to, isn't. to Phil's point, I mean, I think the world is just going, you know, further. Sideways. No. <laughs> well, no. I think the world think is going much too, further yeah. east, actually. Like, you know, we're becoming more, much more like Japan and yeah. countries that are much more tech-savvy. I mean, um, do you remember that movie with Joaquin Phoenix a few years ago? I think it was it called her like the yes. where oh, every, yeah, I remember yes. watching it and I was uh, yeah, I was enthralled movie. I was like yeah, that's amazing everything is yeah. so you know technology driven like the face ID thing so when I take clients to buildings that have like the butterfly system for example that link to your iPhone it, it's not that it's necessary but they say oh that makes sense they're like that makes sense. Oh, I had a buyer, I had a buyer put in an offer it. on something just because <clears throat> it was a smart apartment. Yeah, it was it was mm. all teched out. 
It's yeah. so funny because I showed a smart apartment late last year, and the buyer smart. said to me, I can't buy this apartment. I'll never figure this out. I'll spend more of my time trying to figure <laughs> oh, this out. She loved it. See, yeah, was an older, she, like which I love. He was an older man, and he just said, I did this. Vince, I just can't deal with this. Like pushing <laughs> buttons and figuring out what's going to make the shades come up. I, and love that. I just can't do this. That's hilarious. I said, I, even I can figure that out. It's not so difficult. You know, whatever. <laughs> but this is, this is. You can convert apartment for like relative, like 500 bucks into a smart apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, come on, Alexa. Yeah, Alexa, I just got one. I, oh, I don't like Alexa. Alexa. I'm, I'm so. obsessed no. with my Alexa. Don't get me started. It's not yeah, that smart. Amazing. I, I love basic Alexa. Alexa. Sometimes. Yeah. I wish well, it, it should know a little. I think Siri is smarter than Alexa. Just if, anyway. I just want to throw no, that out No, you're probably there. right. But, but uh, does your Alexa <laughs> talk to you sometimes? Like, <laughs> I'll be sitting there watching TV and all of a sudden <laughs> she'll come up with something because she might have picked it up off of the television. I'm like, Oh yeah. Say what? Yeah. Who was that? Apparently she's always listening. She's waiting for the worst. The worst. Anyway, Something she's, like, she's like, that is not on Amazon Prime. I'm yeah. like, what? Yeah. That's not what I said to you. All right, anyway, <laughs> boys and girls, we are out of time. That's it for me today. Thank you for listening to our show. That's, uh, thanks to my panel, rather. Until next time, be kind to one another. For all of us here at Voice America, all around the world, thanks for joining us, and I will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Oh, my Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.